Well, good morning, Contact family, and happy Palm Sunday. Today is the day that Christians around the world celebrate Jesus' arrival to Jerusalem at the beginning of what is called Holy Week a lot of times, or sometimes we just call it the week leading up to Easter. And in this time, we think about the things that happened from when Jesus came to Jerusalem to when he was betrayed and crucified. And then, of course, the resurrection next Sunday on Easter. So we're really excited about that, about Easter coming up. We're excited that we get to celebrate that with you guys. And this morning, I want to share a little bit about Palm Sunday, share a little bit about what it's about, um, and consider a few things that might bless us going forward. So we're going to start off reading from one of the four accounts of the triumphal entry. This happens in all four of the Gospels. We're going to be reading from Matthew's account today, which is in Matthew chapter 21. So let me read to you starting Matthew chapter 21, verse 1. As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Remember that, Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. That's going to be important a little bit later. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, Tell the people of Jerusalem, Look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Okay, remember the donkey too, all right? The two disciples did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garments over the colt, and he sat on it. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. That's why it's called Palm Sunday, because it was probably palm branches. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Hosanna, which uh, in the New Living, which is where this has come from, is translated praise God. But a lot of times it's Hosanna means save us. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in highest heaven. And you remember that was our memory verse today, right? We'll do it again. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in highest heaven. There we go. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Okay, so I want to talk to you about a few things. Now, we love using acrostics here at Contact. And so we're going to use the word palm, and I'm going to draw some points from this. So our first point is P for peace. Jesus comes riding a donkey. Now, what's interesting is why would someone coming in, why would a king becoming riding on a donkey. Well, in the ancient Near East, which is that area of the Middle East where Israel is, uh, and a lot of times we call it the ancient Near East in scholarly studies, the symbol for a king coming in peace was actually them riding on a donkey. There's some other accounts in the in the Bible. There's some in Judges. There's one in 2 Samuel where David and his family come to the king of the Philistines because they need to hide for a little bit. And they come riding on donkeys and David points out that they're all on donkeys because this is a symbol that we come in peace. It's kind of like a white flag or something like that where we're saying, hey, hey, we're not here to fight. Um, so you come in a horse or a chariot when you're at war, but you come on a donkey when you're at peace. And so this is from a passage in Zechariah, the quote that's actually there in Matthew. And I want to read that to you and get a little more context with it. It says in Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 through 10, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Zion's another name for Jerusalem, by the way. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. 
He is righteous and victorious. Okay, so we got this king coming, and we're excited because a king, you know, is a warrior, is a champion, and so we're thinking, what's this king going to be like? Yet, oh, he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And listen to what God says, I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. So the first thing that's really important here is Jesus comes as a king, but he comes as a king bringing peace, not a king bringing war. But you see, the people who were there who were shouting for him, they were being oppressed by Rome, and they really didn't want a king that was bringing peace. They wanted a king bringing war. So even though they recognized it was really important that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem riding on this donkey, they just didn't get it. They were looking for someone who didn't bring peace. Our second letter, A, is the word appeal. Save us, Lord, which is the meaning of Hosanna. Now, like I said, in the New Living Translation, it says praise God, because a lot of times Hosanna was used kind of as a a shout of praise, although the only place we actually see it in the New Testament is in this story. So it's hard to tell that it actually means save us with the way the people are saying it, because it seems like they're just excited. But what it actually means is is save us, Lord. And so uh, they are making an appeal to God. So I want to read to you from the passage where that verse that they're quoting comes from. And that is in Psalm chapter 118, starting in verses 22 and going through 28. And it's really interesting in context, because this is a verse that Jesus has used about himself. You'll notice right off the bat, if you remember this from other places, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is wonderful to see. This is an idea that Jesus uses talking about how he's the one who's been cast off by the leadership and the Pharisees, but he's actually the one who is the most important to what's going to be built here. So it's really interesting that they're they're using this passage because there's going to be a couple other things in it that point to the way Jesus is going to be king that people just miss. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Please, Lord, please save us, which is Hosanna. Please, Lord, please give us success. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God shining upon us. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. You are my God and I will praise you. You are my God and I will exalt you. Okay, you saw that part where in verse 25 and 26, it kind of sounds like what they were shouting. The plus Hosanna to the one who's the son of David. Bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, and then it says the Lord is God. Take the sacrifice and bind it with cords on the altar. Hold that in your mind for just a second. But when you hear that, that makes you think about uh, a sacrifice or a sacrificial lamb, which is going to be our next point. Sorry to get ahead of myself. But it's really interesting that this verse that they're talking about, they're, they're calling on God to save them, but they don't really know what they're asking for. Because again, the people are making an appeal, save us from Rome, save us from our oppressors. But you see, Jesus didn't come to save them from Rome, right? Jesus came to save them from sin and from death and from evil and wickedness and the devil. And it's a different battle than what the people think that they're fighting. But Jesus is coming in peace on earth to wage war in the spiritual side. Okay, so again, the people didn't get it. They thought it was one thing. They're really focused on this king who's coming to battle Rome. But that's just not what Jesus is about. So the third thing, the L, is going to be lamb. And this is what we were just reading there about the sacrificial lamb, but I'm actually going to pull from another verse to talk a little bit more about this one. Okay, remember back when I told you to remember Bethphage on the Mount of Olives? Okay, 
this is going to be a little bit nerdy. So let me nerd out for a second because I thought this was really interesting while I was studying for this. So in Zechariah, so we were just in Zechariah, you remember Zechariah chapter 9. Now we're jumping ahead to Zechariah chapter 14. We're going to read verses 3 through 4, the beginning of verse 4, and then 8 and 9. It says, Then the Lord will go out to fight against those nations as he has fought in times past. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart. Okay, remember it said Bethphage on the Mount of Olives. Now, Bethphage is east of Jerusalem, right there on the Mount of Olives. So in this, in this verse, you can think of God standing there at Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, looking toward Jerusalem. And the Mount of Olives splits apart, and it causes this huge uh, thing of water to flow out, and this big earthquake, and all this stuff happens. And then in verse 8, it says, On that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem, half toward the Dead Sea and half toward the Mediterranean. So that's uh, Dead Sea is to the east, the Mediterranean is to the west flowing continuously in both summer and winter. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. Okay, so we have this picture again of this king, of God coming and reigning here in Jerusalem. But the way that he reigns is different. He's king over all the earth, but he's king because of these life-giving waters that flow. If you remember back in the book of John, chapter 4, Jesus says he is living water, springing up into eternal life. So all of these verses that we can use to point to Jesus. So I want to give you a little bit more background about the Passover lamb. So this is really interesting. Uh, as far back as the third century, there's a guy named Origen who is a church historian who makes mention of this. And he says that Bethphage, which is this village on the Mount of Olives, which is in verse 1 of Matthew chapter 21, seems to have belonged to the priests in Jerusalem. And it's likely where animals for sacrifice were kept. So Bethphage is about one mile away from the temple. And in Sabbath law, you can only walk one mile at a time before you have to stop and rest. So it makes sense that the priests, who are very obligated to following the law as exactly as possible, would have a place that was exactly a mile away. So what they would probably do, and a little bit of this is speculation, but it's really good speculation, is that they would keep their animals there in Bethphage because they couldn't keep them in the city. And then they would go to Bethphage and bring them to uh, Jerusalem to the temple for sacrifices. And this is where the lambs would be kept that were used for Passover. So what's really interesting in this is that Jesus comes from this spot where the priests bring the sacrifice lamb and he brings himself into Jerusalem. So we've got all this imagery going on where there's this king stuff, but at the same time there's this sacrifice stuff. And that's not only seen in what Jesus has done himself, but in these texts that they're using, in these, these passages from the Old Testament that the people themselves are quoting, this idea of a sacrificial lamb being brought is mixed in with them. And so, you know, the people are saying things that I don't think they even understand the meaning to, because of course they didn't get it, right? They're still looking for someone who's going to come and knock out Rome. They're looking for someone who's going to lead an army who's going to save them by killing, not someone who's going to save them by giving up his life and dying on their behalf. Okay, so last letter is M for Messiah. Messiah means anointed king. Christ is the Greek version of it. Messiah is the Hebrew version of this word. And what this word basically means is king. So any of the kings, like David was the Messiah at one point in time. Uh, so it's, it's a title that we've come to use, especially for Jesus, but it, it was a more normal title back then. But what's just a big deal about this is that Jesus is this person. I want to read to you from Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 5 and verse 10. So it says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. Okay, so out of the stump of David's family, 
So we got David's family here is this stump, and there's going to be a shoot that comes out of it bearing fruit from what's old. Okay, now what's important to remember, and we've already talked about this, you know, we said Hosanna to the son of David. Jesus comes from the line of David. Both Mary and Joseph can trace their ancestry back to David. So the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make a decision based on hearsay. He will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. Who does this sound like? This is Jesus. This is Jesus that Isaiah is prophesying, that there's going to be a king that comes who is so full of what's right. And that's who Jesus is. And then in that last verse, verse 10, in that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. So this picture of this king that's been painted in the Old Testament is not this king who's a warrior, but this king who always does the right thing and who the people come to and want to be around because of how righteous and just and peaceful and loving and great is this king. And that's who Jesus is. But the people, they just don't get it. They're really stuck on this one idea of we're looking for someone who's going to beat down our enemies. And Jesus says, I'm going to come and I'm going to be king, but it's not going to be the way you're expecting. I'm going to be a king who reigns by giving up my life. And so that's a big part of what Palm Sunday is about, the people missing the point. They were looking for a king to wage a war, but Jesus came as a king looking to save everyone through his death. Now, the rest of this week, I want you guys to think about other things going on. We've got an exciting Bible study in the YouVersion app that's going to be going on, and I hope you all sign up for it. It's called The Cross and COVID-19, and it's going to take the Gospel of Mark's account and walk us through this last week of Jesus' life. And we're going to look at a lot of stories. So I want you to look at this kind of list of things that happens uh, leading up to Easter. So we have the triumphal entry, and that's usually celebrated here on Sunday. And there's other things that we celebrate. Some of these are celebrated in the day. Some of them aren't as much. But uh, other things that are going to happen in this week, and that will happen in our reading together on the Bible app, is Jesus clears the temple. Uh, There's a lot of teaching and a lot of parables where Jesus is teaching in the week leading up. He's anointed in Bethany. This is the story where um, probably Lazarus' sister Mary uh, takes oil and pours it over his feet, perfume, and then wipes it with her hair and her tears, and, and where she really blesses him. And then he's going to wash the feet of his disciples on Thursday, and the Last Supper is going to happen. He's going to have the prayers for the believers and for unity and prayers that are about us today. And then on Friday, we're going to have the trial and the crucifixion. Uh, and then Saturday, Jesus will be in the tomb. And we stop there because this week is really about, in a lot of ways, recognizing how Jesus was king and feeling the pain of the crucifixion and what we as humans in our sin did that caused Jesus to go to death and how we as a people together chose to try to make things our own way and try to make things in our own image and how the story of Adam and Eve is all of our story about how God wanted us to do things one way, but we chose to do things another way. And how this is the penalty for that, that Jesus, God himself in the flesh who came to earth, had to die. And so we really want to be thinking about this week and, and experiencing um, some 
sadness, I think, as we come up to the resurrect or as we come up to the cross and um, feeling some just hurt this week because we were all complicit in what put Jesus on the cross. But Sunday, next Sunday's coming. Okay, so if you've ever heard the the Sunday's coming uh, reading kind of deal that a lot of times churches will play before Easter, Sunday's coming. So there's going to be joy that comes to out of this. But right now, we're really focused on the journey to the cross. Um, So that is Palm Sunday. And I want to put this last thing before you before we go to our song and praise and prayer time is, are we going to get it, is the question this week. You know, on Sunday, they yelled, Hosanna. They yelled, save us. They yelled, praise God. They said, we're excited about you coming here. Friday, they yelled, crucify him. They yell, we want you to die. What are we going to yell? What are we going to shout? What are we going to say? Are we going to be people who are praising God? Are we going to be people who wanted to be crucified? I hope not. I hope what we're going to be is people who are calling on Jesus for salvation in the way that he came as a king. Not as a king who's a warrior using weapons, but as a king who is using love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And I hope that our choice this week and as we go forward into the future is that we're going to try to become more and more like him. So I want to pray for you guys, and then I will move to the next portion. God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus. Thank you so much for the sacrifice that he made. Thank you so much for the gift of his death. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the ways that we can understand who Jesus is as king richly because of the way you put together the Bible. God, we're so thankful for our church family. We're thankful for the church that's not part of the family of contact, but it is all over the world, all over our city and state and country and everywhere else. We're thankful for all the people that are getting to tune in and they're getting to join us from different places because of the way things are right now. And God, we pray that you would just watch over all of us, that you would protect us, that you would keep us safe. But God, we pray more than anything that you would turn our hearts to you, that you would help us to see Jesus in what's going on, that you would help us to be like Jesus in what's going on, that you would help us to be sacrificial, that you would help us to pour out love on others. God, you are so good, and we love you so much. We are so thankful to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If there's anything that you need special prayers for, if you are wanting to be baptized, if there's anything that we can do for you, we are going to find a way. So you can leave it in the comments. You can call or text us. We're not going to, you know, we're not stopping that process just because of the way things are. But please let us know. Uh, I love you guys. I'm so thankful that we got to share this time together. And I pray that this week leading up to Easter is one that will bless you and that will challenge you. And I hope you'll join us as we do our reading together on the cross in COVID-19. Grace and peace.